Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Jenny. Love your Christmas sweater there. All right. Well, let's take a moment and pray, uh, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, I pray that uh, we would have a moment here to uh, focus on you and your word, um, to focus on the heart. Lord, I, I pray this prayer from King David, just like we watched in the video, that you would create in me a clean heart, that you'd create in us as a, ch- as a church body a clean heart, and then you would renew a right spirit within us, and uh, that you would set our hearts on you, and that we would love you more deeply uh, through your word. Uh, Lord, we want to give you our heart, and we know that is only possible if you receive it. And so please come and, and, and grasp our hearts in a new way during this service. Or we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I have to grab my clicker here. Have you ever had one of those moments uh, when you're reading something or studying or maybe you're watching like a movie or a documentary and it's like an aha moment where something shifts in your mind? Like you, you finally feel like you get it. Or maybe you don't get it fully, but you at least round a corner. Maybe it's, like, maybe it's not a, a big corner, but it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a significant enough corner to make a difference in your life. You begin to think about things a little differently. You begin to have a paradigm shift. Well, I had one of those moments uh, this fall uh, as I was reading a book called Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. This is a book on parenting, but it starts by focusing on the heart. And I'm going to be leading a community group on uh, this, this sort of this book. There's a DVD series with it. So if what I say today uh, intrigues you and you think, man, I want to learn more about that for parenting or just in my own life, please come talk to me because uh, we'd love to do this together. Uh, but Ted Tripp, he talks about the heart and he defines the heart, this is real important, as the control center for life. It's the control center for life. So maybe think of a control center. Maybe some of you think of like the sound booth or maybe I think of like an airport, the the control center up there. Uh, Whatever you think of, think of that place and think of it as a control center for you. That's what the heart is. And he draws this in his book out of Proverbs 4.23, which we just read. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. That means everything you do comes from your control center, your heart. And as he talks about parenting, he says, well, then that means our hearts determine our actions. Our hearts determine our behavior. When I say or do something, it is a reflection of what's going on inside of me. Now, obviously, this applies to parenting, but I also think it applies to us as a church, us and our families, us on our our front lines and our workplaces. Uh, But he argues in this book uh, that that, that parenting, most parenting tends to be uh, about like parenting books, right? Because he's an author, he's writing a book. He says most parenting books are about behavior modification. If we can just get our kids to behave and do the right things, then that's good. That's, we've excelled at parenting. But he argues that parenting is more about heart change because that's what Christianity is about. That's what the gospel is about. That Jesus is not just interested in good behavior. Jesus is interested in a heart that loves him, that loves his heavenly father. In fact, he points to Matthew chapter 15. 
Maybe some of you know this. It's the story of Jesus and the Pharisees. And, and Jesus calls out the Pharisees because they look, they look so good on the outward side. They're so, they're, they're so like well-behaved and they do all the right religious rituals. They always go to church, synagogue, temple. They're doing all the right things, but Jesus says they have impure hearts. And we're going to come back to that. I love this quote from Tripp. He says, a change in behavior that does not stem from a change in heart is not commendable. It is condemnable. A change in behavior that does not stem from a change in heart is not commendable, it is condemnable. See, we can finally start to do all the right things, to behave all the right ways, but if Jesus does not own our hearts, it will not matter in the end. And as I've taken us through Proverbs uh, this summer and fall, we've uh, talked a lot about the importance of living life God's way. I've defined wisdom a couple different ways, but one of the ways is learning, to, uh, learning God's word and living God's ways, right? Learning God's word and living God's ways. That's what it means to have a wise life. But if all we do is walk away from this series in Proverbs and think, well, I gotta do better. Now I know like, all the different ways to behave. <laughs> uh, then we've missed the point. We're actually no better off. It's because the heart matters. The heart matters the most, Jesus condemns the Pharisees and teachers of the law, the most religious people of all, because they care more about traditions and hand-washing and those things that are religious than actually knowing and loving God. So Jesus, in Matthew, quotes the prophet Isaiah. In Matthew chapter 15, 8 through 9, says this, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. It's easy to, be, uh, to, to come to the Bible and just read it and get a whole bunch of rules for life. And it can be easy to come to church and just hear like, sermons about rules for life. And it's possible for you to have great church attendance <laughs> and great behavior and always say please and thank you and make others feel respected and valued to be the best of parents, to always vote the right way, to look outwardly fine, to die and go straight to hell. That's absolutely possible. Because if we don't deal with our hearts, then we've missed what matters most. Does it mean that any of those things are bad things? It's nice to say please and thank you. It's good to be well-behaved. It's good to love and care for others and value others and respect them. But in the end, it has to come from a heart that is right with God. Now, in Proverbs, we've talked about these different topics, right? Marriage, money, the things we say, leadership, parenting, alcohol. We've talked about a lot of things. And if we're to approach any of those things the right way, our, our focus just can't be on, on approaching it the right way. Our focus also has to be on having a right heart, having a heart that is right with God and truly dealing with what's going on on the inside and not just dealing with those things that are happening that we can see, not just dealing with the things on the outside. Uh, this story he shares, he says, the children are playing and a fight breaks out over a particular toy. The classic response is, who had it first? But this response misses heart issues. Who had it first is an issue of justice. 
Justice operates in favor of the child who was the quicker draw in getting the toy. If we look at this situation in terms of the heart, the issue changes. Now you have two offenders. Both children are displaying a hardness of heart toward the other. Both are being selfish. Both children are saying, I don't care about you or your happiness. I am only concerned about myself. I want this toy. My happiness depends on possessing it. I will have it and be happy regardless of what that means to you. But in terms of issues of the heart, you have two sinning children. Two children are preferring themselves before the other. Two children are breaking God's law here. Sure, the circumstances are different. One is taking the toy the other has. The other is keeping the advantage. The circumstances are different, but the heart issue is the same. I want my happiness even at your expense. Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. This is not just a, <laughs> a sermon on parenting. This is a sermon on the heart. And so, it's, so take a moment in your imagination and think of all the other ways that this applies in your own life. I'm sure we can all recall a situation where we chose our happiness over the happiness of someone else. Or we chose our way over someone else's way. And so this can quickly become an opportunity to reflect and to look deep inside ourselves and to examine our own hearts. Because if we do want to be humble and uh, to not uh, be selfish and prideful, if we want to look like Jesus... That change has to come from the inside out in order for that change to last. And so we do need to look inside us, but actually it's very hard to examine your own heart. I don't just mean like your physical heart, like your, your, your metaphorical heart, that place where, you know, if we're to kind of take the scriptural understanding of what the heart is, right, that center of emotions, that center of understanding, that center of will, that center of action, it is really hard to like, to, to untie that knot, to figure out that puzzle. You know why that is? It's because of this, because we all have defective hearts. We all have defective hearts. Our hearts are the control centers of our lives, and there is something wrong in the control center. <laughs> the wiring is off. The buttons are not working. The people that are supposed to be manning it are asleep on the job. Something is off. And so what's wrong? Well, Jeremiah tells us. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? My heart's deceitful? No. Well, that might be a little deceit right there. My heart's fine. Well, I don't take your word for it. I take Jeremiah's here. Beyond cure, who can understand it? No one can understand it. No one gets it but the one who made it, and that's God. See, we've all had this. I think we've all had our hearts lie to us. Have you ever been like out at the store, the grocery store, and you're walking down the dessert aisle, and you see like this like, triple chocolate, uh, double fudge covered in caramel with peanut butter, well, not for you guys, uh, 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 like cheesecake, and you're like, man, if I can just have that cheesecake, I will be happy. And you're like, well, you know, I'm, I keep telling my, my, my spouse, like, I, I need to cut back on the sugar. Uh, or it's not in our budget, but then you're like, okay, I'll just get it. And you get it, and you go home, and you, you eat, like, three pieces of this cheesecake, and then instantly you felt terrible. 
I actually ate too much ice cream last night, so this is like, <laughs> this is from the inside out. Uh, that was your heart. Your heart was deceiving you because then suddenly you feel terrible and you begin to condemn yourself and say, why did I do that? I shouldn't have done that. I don't have any control. I'm a failure. It's like your heart says, I want that, and it says, I don't want that after you engaged in that thing. And this is true for like everything. <laughs> or how about uh, in your, your place of work, right? And you're working on a project with a coworker and things seem to be going fine. Uh, but then you see your coworker talking to your boss and you're like, are they, are they like talking about me? Are they criticizing me? Are they, are they unhappy with what I'm doing? And then you begin to second guess and the relationship begins to break down. And you find out, well, they weren't mad at you. They weren't upset with you. They, just, they, they were happy to be working with you. And that was your heart. Your heart was deceiving you. That's a defective heart. Or how about when you're with family and you fight with a brother or sister or cousin or parent or whatever and uh, you fight over something really stupid or something that it turns out you sort of actually agree on if you just like stop and listen to each other. That's the heart wanting its own way at the expense of others. That's a defective heart. That's a defective control center. Our hearts tell us this. Our hearts are constantly telling us uh, that, that we need to be right. <laughs> our, con- our hearts are t- constantly telling us that we need to be right in order to please God. And at the same time, our hearts are telling us that we are so good we don't need a Savior. Our hearts are saying like two different messages at the same time. You're so good, you don't need a Savior, but you're not good enough. You got to keep trying. That's, that's your heart. It's exhausting. Proverbs 29 says this. It says, who can say I have kept my heart pure? I am clean and without sin. Anyone? Can anyone say that? I don't think you even have to be a Christian to agree with this. I certainly agree with this. None of us have kept a pure heart. None of us are without sin. I watched a a clip on YouTube from two authors that I I really don't read. Um, George Martin, R.R. Martin, author of Game of Thrones, and Stephen King, he's a best-selling horror author, so I really don't recommend either of these authors. Uh, But I just found their interview to be fascinating. I found their interview to be fascinating uh, because they were talking with each other, just having a panel. George R.R. Martin uh, brought up the human heart, and he said something that really resonated with me. And I kept it. I wanted to share it. He said, my fantasy series, right? So he writes Game of Thrones. Don't watch it. My fantasy series is often compared to Tolkien. Tolkien, uh, Tolkien's view of good and evil is externalized. It comes from Sauron and Morgoth before it. And there are orcs who are absolutely irredeemable. So hopefully you know a little bit about Lord of the Rings. You know what I'm saying. Evil is externalized just about general fantasy, right? Evil comes from an external source, from the bad guy, from the orcs. The good people get together and stop the orcs. Good people are good. But I've always been more interested in gray characters. I do think that the battle for good and evil is a great subject for fiction, but in my view, the battle for good and evil is waged within the individual human heart. 
We're all partly good and partly evil. We make decisions every day. We may do a good thing on Wednesday and an evil thing on Thursday or a selfish thing. It's all very complicated. I really respect that. I think that, is, that lines up with what the scripture says. I don't know what his solution for that is, but I know what our solution is. I do believe that we can do good things. We're made in the image of God. We can reflect his goodness in the world whether or not you know him. But those good deeds don't stick. They're wiped out by the evil inside of us, that fallen nature, those defective hearts. A world without the possibility of change, of redemption, is indeed a world of darkness and horror like these authors have created. But we have good news. We have gospel news. That's what the gospel means, good news. There is hope. See, the Holy Spirit can change our hearts. The Holy Spirit, God himself can change my heart. He can change your heart. Now, this is a two-part change. The first part is salvation, and the second part is sanctification. Salvation and sanctification. So first, salvation. See, God just has to save our hearts. (laughs) That's the first step, heart surgery. He has to change our hearts from a a, a wicked heart that doesn't love him. That, that, That video was talking about uncircumcised hearts that reject God and that love ourselves and won't worship him, there's an initial change to a new heart. And this is only possible if the Holy Spirit comes along. The Holy Spirit is God himself, his spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He comes along and gives us entirely new hearts. It's like he gives us an extreme home makeover. (laughs) He renovates the control center. The prophet Ezekiel, uh, he was speaking in the Old Testament to the nation of Israel as they were in exile, as they were in Babylon, as they were in a far-off nation, and they had been taken to Babylon because of their hearts. Now, if you read the Bible, you might think, okay, well, it's because they, they, they worshipped idols and because they made foreign alliances with enemies uh, and they did their own thing. Yeah, and where do you think that behavior comes from? It comes from their hearts. Their hearts were far from God. They were sent into exile because of the fruit of their hearts. And yet God promises through Ezekiel, through the prophet, that God is going to deal with that fundamental heart change. He's not going to just get them to stop worshiping idols and stop making foreign alliances. He's going to deal with their hearts. He's going to, God is going to deal with his people's hearts. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 26 says this, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. You see the connection there between forgiveness, uh, cleaning their hearts, and giving them a new heart? God is promising to forgive his people, to cleanse them from the inside out. He's going to do this heart surgery. He's going to remove their old stony heart that kind of lines up with this Old Testament um, sort of uh, Sinai. He's going to give them a new heart, this new promise, this new covenant, this new way of living. A heart of stone, it comes from trying to live up to all of God's standards, like all the laws that God gave the people of Israel and Exodus and, uh, and, and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, trying to live all of God's ways 
without having God's spirit. That's where you get a stony heart. That's where that comes from. But if the Holy Spirit comes in and transforms our hearts, it gives us a new heart. He gives us a new heart. This enables us to then love God. It has to start with love, love of our creator, love of the one who made us. And then out of the love, out of the new heart comes the obedience, comes the behavior modification. So let's see our very next verse in Ezekiel, verse 27. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. God's going to move us. (laughs) He's going to move you. He's going to pump that heart up and give it the energy it needs to go out and obey him and to love him and to to keep his, his laws. We receive salvation when the Holy Spirit comes to us and changes our hearts and washes away our sin. And how does he do this? By setting your heart on a person. The person of Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit models what it means to not be selfish. Because he comes and he, he brings our whole life and like our whole understanding just centers around Jesus and who he is and what he has done for us. This is the good news. This is the gospel that as you know and love and worship Christ Jesus, Jesus is, is like transforming your heart and making you new and helping you live it out. And Jesus made a new heart possible by, by cutting a new covenant, right? By making a new promise. He did this at the cross with his own blood on the cross. He took a spear in his heart, his literal heart for us. And not only was his physical heart pierced, but his like, emotional heart, his metaphorical heart was crushed. It was crushed for us as his father, who he had known his father's love, his father's um, desire, his father's pleasure for all eternity. And at the cross, Jesus was forsaken and abandoned by his heavenly father. I don't know exactly what that means, but I do know that there was like this, this, this removal of, of, of experiencing his father's love. And instead, this this placement of the Father's wrath, the Father's anger against sin and brokenness, the the Father's stored up anger on on all of our sins and all the ways that our hearts have disobeyed him, past, present, and future, it all was poured out on Christ Jesus at the cross. Uh, And it crushed him, crushed his heart. And why did he do this? So that three days later he could rise from the grave. And so that any who repent and believe in him will receive eternal life. That means a a heart that will never stop beating. That's what Jesus has given us by his resurrection. And now if you want this, if there's something inside you that says, I want that. I want that eternal life that only Jesus can make possible. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit giving you new life. Pump it up your heart. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts and begins to like rewire and, and like make the buttons work. And, and he begins to renovate our heart as he sets up residence. It's like, I'm going to be in the control center. And you're not going to want to always work with me, but I'm going to be there. 
And this is, this is salvation. This is the first heart of the heart. This is the first part of the heart change. The second part, though, is sanctification. Now, sometimes this is a word that we don't use very often. It can kind of be a big, uh, intimidating theology word. But sanctification it just means like you're growing uh, in holiness. You're growing in Christ-likeness. You are uh, becoming more sanctified. You are uh, looking a little less like your old, defective, stony heart, and you're looking more like that, that soft heart for Jesus and for others around you. And we begin to see the fruit Like once we've gone through this salvation, sanctification is just ongoing. It's our entire lives. We begin to see little signs of fruit here and there. And if you're like, I became saved, I should be perfect now. It's like there's a season between the planting and the harvest. And this takes time. And God doesn't always tell us when the harvest is going to be. In fact, he doesn't. You'll see signs of fruit throughout your life. There'll be some times in your life where there's a little bit more fruit, other times where it's a little bit dry. But we can trust that the Holy Spirit is doing this in our hearts. And so we see this. Proverbs 4, 4 says, Then he taught me and he said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commandments and you will live. God changes our hearts. He he saves us. He molds us. He sanctifies us. And so when God puts us in situations and circumstances uh, uh, that trouble us, that bother us, uh, you know, the illustration earlier, like the two kids who are fighting, Right? When God gives you a situation like that in your life, he's doing it so that you can begin to rely on him and give him your heart and make you more like Christ. This is a journey. It takes time. And this journey is not easy because right, our old hearts, although I think we've, we've lost them in one way, they still are like crying out. They're still like raising up their little tentacles to, to, to infect our current hearts. And they make it hard, our old nature. That's what the Bible calls us, our old nature. Now, C.S. Lewis, maybe you've heard of him, in Mere Christianity, he writes about our old natures and how we don't want to be changed. He uses the illustration of a toy soldier made of tin. So imagine a toy soldier made of tin. Imagine turning a a toy soldier into a real little man. It would involve turning the tin into flesh. And suppose the tin soldier did not like it. He is not interested in flesh. All he sees is that the tin is being spoiled. He thinks you are killing him. He will do everything he can to prevent you. He will not be made into a man if he can help it. That's just like us. Our selfishness makes it so that we don't want to stop being selfish. And that's true with any sin you can name. Anger, bitterness, whatever, greed. Our sin doesn't want to stop being sin. But God can change our hearts. And if you know Christ Jesus, if you have have invited him into your hearts, and if the Holy Spirit has already come in, then God is doing this change in you. And you can have confidence that God is at work, that he is saving you and sanctifying you, and and that he's inviting you to be involved in the process. See, we work with God's heart change. Yes, the Holy Spirit is the primary mover, but We do have a choice. We can work with God or against him. We can choose to harden our hearts or not harden our hearts. If you look at the story of Pharaoh in the book of Exodus, God is sending the plagues on the people of Israel. There are times where God hardens Pharaoh's heart. There are times where Pharaoh hardens Pharaoh's heart. I don't know exactly how that works, 
but we can work with the change or we can work against it. Proverbs 28, 14 says this, blessed is the one who always trembles before God, but whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. So there are a lot of ways that we can work with God's heart change by studying God's word, by uh, trusting in the Lord. This requires we humble ourselves and seek a relationship with him uh, by guarding what influences our hearts, just like we read today. Uh, We can work with God's heart change by receiving correction, by being peacemakers, by guarding who we give our hearts to, by seeking God's way and not our own. The heart matters most. We all have defective hearts. The Holy Spirit can change our hearts And we work with God's heart. The heart matters for parenting, for teaching, for dealing with our coworkers, for family members, and for us as a church community. When we see something that bothers us in someone else or in ourselves, our normal response is stop it. (laughs) Stop it. Stop it, Jonathan. Stop it, you. But if we're really going to address the heart, we need to first ask ourselves a different question. What is going on in my heart? Why am I reacting this way? And second, what is going on in their heart? What is going on in their lives that I can care for? This takes patience. This takes humility. This takes courage. This takes addressing our own hearts and caring for the hearts of others. We can only do this at the Holy Spirit comes and helps us address the heart. And so my prayer, and I hope your prayer will be as well, from Isaiah 51, verse 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. I want to challenge you to pray that prayer this week. Let's do it right now. Heavenly Father, Would you create in me, would you create in us a pure heart? God, we're so sinful and so broken and so fallen that we don't even know what that looks like. Would you create in us pure hearts? And would you renew a right spirit within us, within me, within our church, within us as we go out and we're among our family members and as we go out and we're among our coworkers, as we go out and we're among our classmates, wherever we are, would you be renewing a right spirit within us, our right hearts? Give us pure hearts, Lord, and give us clean hands and help us to love you. Give us that deep and abiding love for you and for your word and for your people and for our enemies, Lord. Change our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.